Hi, I'm Miranda Wright with HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. Jehovah Shabbat. We're back to the names of God. He gave me another one, and the one he gave me for this week and the message that correlates to it is timely and I think even good with um, Yom Kippur. It's a good reminder. Jehovah Shabbat means Lord of hosts, or Yahweh, whichever you choose to use. It means Lord of hosts. And the text that we get it from is 1 Samuel chapter 17. You can turn there because we're gonna. that's going to be the majority of our um, passage. You won't have to do a whole lot of flipping. We're going to mostly be in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 33. This is the story of David and Goliath. Most of you kind of know this story. I'm glad we have a lot of kids here tonight because that's always a kid favorite. David was a kid. He was out tending his father's sheep. Goliath was a giant, figured to be about roughly, what, about 10 feet, 10 to 13? 10 to 13 feet tall. The Philistines were at war with the Israelites. The Israelites had no army, really. They had no weapons, really. They just had farmers with form tools. And this army of the Philistine comes against them, and they're very frightened, and they tell them, you know what? We don't have to fight a war. We're going to put our best soldier forward. You send your best soldier forward, and we'll just let them fight and determine the outcome. Well, their best soldier was Goliath. Goliath was a giant. He was very strong. It says his spear was like a weaver's beam. He was massive. Nobody wanted to face him. So David, realizing that they're going to lose this fight because nobody's willing to face him, says, I'll face him. David had sat with God in this little no-name, unknown place, tending to his father's flock. And in protecting his father's sheep, he had protected them from lions and from bears. God used these smaller things to prepare his faith for this bigger battle. So he knew that this could be done. God could protect him and God could use him to take out this giant. And so with all faith he goes, and he, this is where the story picks up. He's standing before Saul and he's telling Saul, I can do this. I'm going to go take on this giant for y'all. Now, he's probably estimated to be around, like, what, like 12 years old. Well, I'm talking about David. was estimated to be probably around 12, 12 or 13 years old at the time and, and a very small kid. So, you know, you have a 12, 13-year-old who's smaller than our average 12 or 13-year-olds, right, because they weren't eating the food we're eating. That's coming up and saying, you know what? I know all the armies of Israel are scared, but I'm going to go take on this 13-foot giant. And Saul, starting in verse 33, 1 Samuel 17, verse 33, And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go up against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. And David said unto Saul, Thy servant, speaking about himself, kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear, and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him, and I smote him, and delivered the lamb out of his mouth. 
And when he rose back up against me, so he chased down the lion and the bear, he took the lamb out of its mouth and he hit it, knocks it down, and, it, and now the lion rises back up against him, he's saying. And when it rose back up against me, I caught him by his beard, the lion's mane, and I smote him and I slew him. He killed it. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hands of this Philistine. And Saul, who was the king at the time, said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. So he believes his story. Well, if God helped him to defeat this lion and this bear that was attacking the sheep, then, then maybe he stands a chance. And Saul armed David with his own armor, and he put a helmet of brass upon his head. Also he armed him with a coat of mail, and David girded his sword upon his armor, and he essayed to go, for he had not proved it. So Saul had the best armor in the land. So he's like, well, if this kid's going to go take this giant, I'm going to at least give him my armor. So he puts all this armor on him, and David said, no, I'm not, I won't go. I'm not going to go with all this armor. It's not been proven to me to work. I haven't tested it. He hadn't been trained in it. He hadn't used it. It hadn't been proven to work. God had proven to work. He had been out in the fields. These bears, these other enemies had been defeated. God had proved to work to him. But these physical things, they didn't prove to work. He didn't have faith in that. He had faith in God. And David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I proved them. And David put them off, so he threw the armor off. He had no faith in Saul's armor or Saul's sword. So continuing, and he took his staff in his hand, his shepherd's staff, because when you tended sheep, they always kept a staff to fight off the wolves with. He took his shepherd's staff. That was something that he had knew how to use. And chose him five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in his shepherd's bag, which he held. Even a script and his sling was in his hand and he drew near to the Philistine. He had a sling, slingshot. He had five smooth stones and he had his shepherd's staff. The number five in scripture usually correlates with grace. Grace is God's power, his favor, and his divine influence. In the Hebrew language, every alphabet correlates to a letter. And the letter correlated to, we, we always associate that with grace. But also, just like when in our language how we have a number five, but then you can also write the word five out. When you write the word out, the sequence of letters, each letter has a meaning, and that comes, that meaning comes out to, to be saved or to be rescued. So God was going to use the power of His grace to save the Israelites or to rescue them with this boy in these five stones. The significance of five throughout scripture you will see, since it correlates to grace, you can see those things that the five is correlated to or the things that God uses His grace to implement or to enact. There are five ingredients in the anointing oil. In the Old Testament, the anointing oil represented the, the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. 
grace is literally the power of the Holy Spirit. When we receive the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit empowers us with is grace. That's the reason why grace came when Jesus made the Holy Spirit available to us, because all grace really is is the power of the Holy Spirit manifesting through us. There were five ingredients to the holy incense in the temple, which incense always represented prayer. By God's grace, we are able to enter boldly into the throne room of grace to obtain the grace that we need to help in times of trouble. All that is obtained through prayer. There were five books in the Torah, the original Bible that was written. Of course, you cannot obey the commandments except but by God's grace. The Ten Commandments were actually given in two segments of five. The first five are commandments in how to have a relationship with God. The second five are how to have a relationship with men. So the first five is, is, you know, love God, don't put others before him. They're all concerning God. The last five are concerning men. Don't kill, don't commit adultery, don't covet, those kind of things. Which, of course, we need his grace to be able to fulfill. There are five offices in the fivefold ministry, none of which can be fulfilled except but by the power of God's grace. In the Bible and in biblical times, and when you planted an orchard or a vineyard, you weren't allowed to partake of the fruit until the fifth year. Before that, it was fleshly. It wasn't for your own use. Good fruit was produced in the fifth year by the power of God's grace. There were five loaves of bread that fed the 5,000. And the fifth feast, or the fifth holiday in the calendar, which Jacob will be teaching us next week, is Rosh Hashanah, the one that we just had last week, the Feast of Trumpets, which is interesting because... The letter that correlates to five in the Hebrew calendar is the hey. Hey is a sound. The Feast of Trumpets. It looks like our little worship man logo. That's what the letter looks like. It's hey. The very old version. And the the imagery is someone looking up or beholds to behold, to gaze upon, to look up. You're looking up at God. You're getting his attention. You're worshiping. You're hey. It's to make a sound. It's to cry out. It's to... Get that rescue because you opened your mouth. Nothing is too hard for God. He can save. He was able to defeat Goliath, but someone had to be willing to stand and speak something because God wants to prove who he is to the unbelieving. And in order to do that, someone who does believe has to be willing to stand there and say, Hey, this is my God. He's stronger. To stand there, make a sound, to speak something out in faith so that the grace can come to fulfill it so that God gets glory for it. Faith must be acted upon. We must say something. We must do something. When you pray for the sick, you make a sound. You do something. You say, be healed in Jesus' name. Now, God could heal them without anything ever happening, but he wouldn't get glory for that. We like to anoint with oil and pray, make that proclamation so that when they're healed, everybody knows God did this. For someone to be raised from the dead, you got to say something. For someone to be have demons cast out, Jesus said, speak to the mountain, cast it into the sea. David was willing to come before this giant and speak something. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that dare defy the armies of my God? 
He didn't have to fight the fight. God fought the fight. God's grace did it. God directed the stone. David just had to be willing to stand there and speak something and say, hey, my God is able so that then God could act and that faith would be spread to those around them who saw this thing happening. The fifth church in the book of Revelations, when it talks about the church, is Sardis, which literally translates to those who have come out. Jesus warns this church to strengthen those that were ready to give up and to get them ready for Jesus' return. In a way, David did this for Israel. He strengthened those who were ready to give up. This whole army was ready to run away. They were facing this giant, and they were ready to give up. They They were scared. They were worn out. They were done with this fight. David comes out and he releases a sound and he puts forth a cry. He stands in faith. God releases the grace that gives them the courage and the faith to have strength for bigger battles that would be coming later on. God was using this battle with little David and the giant to show them something and to build the people's faith in his power for bigger battles that would come later. But again, the fifth spirit in the spirits of God is the spirit of power. God is trying to show his power through this story because Goliath was just the first battle. David would fight many more later, but God was building their faith for these things that were coming. God was letting them know that he was stronger than any foe, that he is for them and that he is with them and that he will rescue them. He will fulfill his promises. This was an impossible battle. God had promised them this land. He had promised them inheritances. He had promised that their generations would last forever, and yet they stand right here on the brink of total annihilation, facing a battle that they cannot win against an army that is fully equipped. They have no weapons, and the enemy has a giant. God wants to show them that he can take this thing out with practically nothing. He's going to use a kid with a rock and a sling. But there's a scripture that says, who is a rock? Except our God. The rock represents God. He fights our battles. He is our deliverer. Do you have the faith in him to be able to do it? And if so, are you willing to stand up and speak in faith that he might release the grace to accomplish it? to help build others' faith for bigger battles that are coming. The rock that is our Christ not only defeated this giant of Goliath, but it will defeat the greatest giant of all one day, the one that is depicted by the giant statue in Nebuchadnezzar's dream, which depicts the Antichrist empire in the end. It shows a rock coming to destroy it. That rock is our Christ at his return. So keep believing in the God who defeated this Philistine. All right, picking up in verse 40. And he took his staff. This is David. He took his um, shepherd's staff in his hand. And remember that the Bible says that God is a shepherd. Actually, David is the one who wrote that psalm, that the Lord is my shepherd, his rod and his staff or a comfort to me, because that's the weapon that the shepherd uses against the enemy of the flock. David took his staff in his hand, 
and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in his shepherd's bag, which he had even in a script, and his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. And the Philistine came on and drew near unto David. And the man that bare the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him. When it says the Philistine, it's talking about Goliath, the giant. So all of this army is standing there shaking, and this little 12-year-old kid comes walking up. And when this giant sees this kid coming to fight him, he got very prideful. He, he got mad. He says he disdained. He, got, he was disgusted that this kid was coming to challenge him. It, it was a blow to his pride. They didn't send him a worthy opponent. It made him look small. God likes to defeat big things, prideful things, powers and principalities with seemingly little unknown people and things because it shows his power and his greatness. Paul said that in my weakness, his strength is made evident. This is what God was doing. He was putting this principality to an open shame. He disdained David, for he was but a youth and rudy and of a fair countenance. And the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog that thou comest to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his God. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and to the beast of the field. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. And that's where we get the name Jehovah Shabbat, the Lord of hosts. It was David's weapon. He didn't come even with the stone, the shield, the... He didn't come with the sling. He didn't come even with the staff, though he carried those things. His real weapon that day was the name of the Lord, the Lord of hosts. I love that. The Bible says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. It's not physical weapons. You don't win fights with guns. You don't win fights with politicians. You don't win fights with courts. You win fights in the spirit and in the earth with the name of the Lord. When you stand and you speak to that mountain and you cast it out in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you are doing things. You are changing things in the spirit that will affect the physical. So make a sound. It's time to, to hey, to the enemy again. It's time to make a sound. This day... David says, Will the Lord deliver thee, Goliath, into my hand, and I will smite thee, and take thy head from thee, and I will give your carcass and the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air, and to the wild beast of the earth, and all the earth will know that there is a God in Israel. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. I love that. David not only decrees and declares that God can do this, but God can do it 
without the tools of man, without your weapons of warfare. God's going to destroy you without a sword so that all will know that he is God and that he is greater, not only than you, but than all of your tools. God can do anything. God is the God that fights his battles with bigger weapons than what man can create. In the story of Deborah, when they went to war and Deborah was a, a, a judge and a general over Israel in her day, when she went to war against the enemy, God actually used a river to fight against the enemy. The Bible says that as she sang and worshiped, the river changed its course and actually took the enemy out. That's Jehovah Shabbat. That is the Lord of hosts who is so much greater and so much higher than any other host, host of heaven or angelic beings, powers and principality. Jehovah Shabbat is the one who is high and lifted up above them, stronger and more mighty. And when he fights against these things, he's not doing it with fists. He's doing it with mighty things. For Deborah, it was a river. In Jericho, God defeated the enemy with a shout. For the four leopards in the siege that Danny preached about last Sunday, it was a sound. God won the battle with a sound. For Hezekiah, in the time of Hezekiah, when the city was under siege, God won the battle with an angel. There was no army of man. There was no work of their hand. God did these things himself. He was Jehovah Shabbat. For Moses, he used a sea. For David, he used a stone. And for Jesus, he used a cross. He doesn't need your guns, your preparations, your buildings, your plots, your plans, your programs, your politicians, your personalities. He needs your faith. He needs you to speak something out in faith so that he can release the grace to do it so much bigger. God fights his battles with hurricanes. God fights his battles with earthquakes. God fights his battles with tools and weapons that are so far beyond our imagining and so much bigger than we can comprehend that men don't even think to pray in that arena. They keep going back to what they can do to accomplish it. And they limit the power because they're moving in unbelief in who he really is. We fight our battles not with swords of steel, but with the sword of the Spirit of the name of the Lord. The Bible talks about the Word of God being a spiritual sword. That's the sword that we use in our battles. Danny preached Sunday about the sound. These things keep coming forth. God is giving a decree to start speaking these things out again because that's how you turn the tide of the fight. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, it says, For though we do walk in the flesh... We live here in a physical world and we walk in the flesh. We do not war after the flesh. That's not how we fight our battles, not in the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. That's what David did that day with Goliath and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience once that your obedience is fulfilled. Once you are choosing to be in right standing and obedience to God, then he can use you to have authority over these other things, and they must also obey you. Our battles are against bigger giants than Goliath but they fall all the same, and we take them out the same way. 
In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, we read, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. The spirit of power is the fifth spirit in the spirits of God. Put on the whole armor of God, all right? Saul tried to give David his armor. He said, nope, I haven't seen that ever work, but I know what does work. Paul tells us to put on spiritual armor, the whole armor of God, that you will be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and against rulers of the darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girded with the belt of truth, believing the truth of God's word, and speaking that truth back out puts you in right standing. It's also correlated to the Holy Spirit. And having a breastplate of righteousness, once you believe what the word says and you begin to do it, then you are in right standing. That's your breastplate of righteousness. And your shoes shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Once you have believed the truth and you are walking in the truth, then you can go out to preach the truth, right? Because you don't tell others to do what you're not already doing. So then you put on the shoes and you preach the gospel of peace. And above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Now, in the original Greek, when it says the sword is the word of God, it's the rhema word, not the logos. The Logos is tied more back to the belt in the beginning where you have the truth. The rhema word is the spoken word. That's why it's the sword of the Spirit. Once you are indwelled with the Holy Spirit and you sit and you pray and you have that time and you pray in the Spirit, in other words, you yield yourself for the Holy Spirit to speak through you, He starts speaking that rhema with power and revelation and commanding and speaking forth the decrees of heaven. The enemy has to obey. The armies of heaven have to obey. You are doing warfare. God is calling us back to warfare. It's time to open your mouth and let the real sword out. It says to use the sword, which is the, the rhema word of God, praying always with all power and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. When you do this, you are affecting battles that will help the saints. Remember when Paul got arrested and he was put in prison? And the church stayed up and prayed all night and God sent an angel to break him out of prison. And they're sitting there still praying and he's knocking on the door saying, let me in. And, and the girl opens the door and screams and freaks out because she thinks it's a ghost. She's like, ah, they killed him. It's a ghost. No, God literally delivered him and brought him right back to them while they're still praying for him. There's power in prayer and proclamation. When you allow the Holy Spirit to speak through you, you change things, you affect things in the world. And we've all seen this for those that have prayed with us through many battles that we've been through before, where you see things changed in the legislation, you see things changed in the climate of the nation and the world because of prayers that were prayed and authorities that were taken against powers and principalities and you never left the church or you never left your prayer closet. This is a real battle. It really affects things. 
We are not physical beings trying to affect the spiritual world as though this world is more real than that one. We are here to affect the spiritual and see that it affects the physical because that world is more real than this one. And when you begin to walk in the power of what I'm trying to teach you, you begin to see it. And you can't unsee it. The sword of the Spirit is the rhema word of God. The sound. That's the message that God's been giving. The Lord of hosts giving the commandments and mandates of heaven through the gate of your mouth. Let the sound come out. Host means angelic beings. It's all of the things in heaven, right? Fallen angels and demons fall into that. So if Jesus is the Lord of hosts, that means he has a higher rank than them. We are joint heirs with Christ, but more than that, if we are blood-bought, born-again, Holy Ghost-filled children of God, then we are his temple. His spirit indwells us. His word comes out. So when Jesus releases a decree, it changes things. All of the armies of heaven obey it, and even hell must tremble before it and kneel to it. They can't change it. That's the power that is granted to those who are submitted. But first you have to hear the truth, which is the word of God. You have to believe the truth. You have to walk in the truth, that righteousness. And you have to be willing to spread that truth, the gospel, tell others that truth. Once you do those things and you stand in faith on what you have said, done, and said, and spoken, and believed, then you can begin to speak those things with authority and with power. And you can see things change just like little David did. In Romans chapter 8, verse 14, it says, For as many as are led of my spirit, God is speaking, if you are willing to be led of my spirit, he says, of the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again unto fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, which is like Daddy God. The whole God is saying that if you follow the leading of my spirit and obey it, then you have been adopted in. You are my sons and, and I am your father. The spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, meaning we inherit everything that Christ inherits, including his rank. And he is the Lord of hosts, high and lifted up above all of the hosts, powers and principalities, demons, all of those things. So if we are raised with him and seated in heavenly places with Christ, then we have authority. We are higher ranking in the army. What we say, they must obey. If so be that we suffer with Christ, then we may be also glorified together with him also. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. So finally, in this message, we have to understand our authority again by remembering that we are joint heirs with Christ. We are his temple. We are the gates by which his spirit comes out of into the world. We are literally the mouthpiece of the Lord of hosts. The one who is higher in rank and authority than every other being in earth and in heaven. His decrees and mandates can be released from our mouth and it will affect things. He is higher than all of them.
and he has raised us up with him and placed us in heavenly places beside him. All power, authority, and dominion is given unto him, and to him is given the ability to indwell and live within us. Do you really understand what you are in Christ Jesus? Christ in us, the hope of glory. Open your mouth and let the decrees of heaven come out. Cast down the giants in the name of the Lord of hosts. Jehovah Shabbat, Jesus Christ, Lord of the Sabbath. So, Father, we thank you for this reminder tonight. We thank you for the decree and for the mandate, Lord. We thank you for the faith that it gives us to stand in opposition to the powers and principalities that resist us. Lord, we thank you that you are high and lifted up, that nothing is too hard for you. Let us be willing to put aside the lies and the distractions that come to steal our focus. Get back on the mountain and hear your heart. Let your word come forth and begin to turn the tide of this fight again. In the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you that you are the Lord of hosts, that you are high and lifted up, that you are mighty and you are mighty to save and you are worthy of all praise. There is nothing that can compare to the glory that shall be revealed in us. Nothing is too hard. Nothing is impossible and nothing shall be impossible for those who believe, Lord. We thank you that you are the God that parts the seas to overcome enemies and armies. Lord, we thank you that you still raise the dead. We thank you that that you still put Goliath in his place. We come against that Philistine spirit that tries to lull the church to sleep and steal its fight from it, that tries to intimidate it. But we say, no, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that dare defy the armies of the living God? It might try to come against us with all the tools of the land and of man, but we come in the name of the Lord of hosts, Jehovah Shabbat, Jesus Christ, Yeshua, the one who has been given all power and authority, and it has been given unto us to make the decrees of heaven and we say no more we will fight this war and we will stand in victory just like little David did because we're standing with the same Lord we give you praise Lord for this mandate we give you praise for this reminder we give you praise for this word tonight that we are being called to release the sound again to release the sound in faith and watch your grace step in and do what no man can in Jesus name we pray amen This message was brought to you by HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.